Bang, bang, bang. Oh, howdy, partner. Time for timer. Do you ever get that hungry feeling after school? Boy, I do. I'm so hungry, I could eat a wagon wheel. When I'm slow on the draw and I need something to chaw, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. When my ten-gallon hats are feeling five-gallon flat, I got something planned, which is little cheese sandwiches. Come on! Here's a great little snack to tide you over till dinner. If you want something delicious and nutritious, cheese is a super snack. Look, a wagon wheel. When my get-up-and-go has got up and went, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. When I'm dancing, I hold down and my boots kind of slow down, or any time I'm weak in the knees. I hanker for a hunk of, a slabber slice a chunk of, a sniker is a winner, and yet won't spoil my dinner. I hanker for a hunk of cheese. Yahoo! Podcast. We are your hosts, Ty Fighter, T Bone, T Bone, and today we're here to talk about Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> Classic John Carpenter. I'm gonna get it out of the way right now. Um, John Carpenter, hands down, probably behind Spielberg and behind Cameron, probably my favorite movie director of all time. The dude has put out. Banger after banger after banger. I mean, has he had a misstep in his career that you can think of? Yeah, I'm what, sure there's been a couple. I mean, uh, I almost I, want to go to Internet Movie Database because I was trying on the w- drive over here. I was trying to think. Ghost of Mars is pretty dumb. Oh, Ghost of Mars. Yeah. Um, well, let's forget about that one. We I mean, we can run through them. I haven't I mean, seen all of his movies. But... I I don't think I've seen all of them, but. I've seen the ones that count, yeah. and even the ones that like the Elvis movie I've seen with Kurt Russell, uh, The Fog. Come on, uh, The Thing, yeah. classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Escape from New York, Halloween, The Big Trouble. Where are we else? Where else we got? Escape from LA. Escape from LA. Yeah, it was. It's an okay sequel. I think I only saw it the one time, but I don't remember like disliking it. Yeah. But uh, anyway. John Carpenter, oh, uh, Dark Star. I, I, yes. that's, that's actually a really good movie. Yeah, a lot is. of people forget about that because uh, it's starring and written by Dan O'Bannon, who later went on to write the screenplay for Alien. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Actually, create the Alien. Yeah, that Alien is, mythos or whatever. Yeah, that is right. I completely forgot about Dan O'Bannon being on board for that. There was a book that I read a long time ago. It was called like shock theater or something like that and it was the whole story behind dan o'banion um basically creating like modern day sci-fi films (laughs) well i mean not that he like on his own but i mean like he had a huge like impact um Mm -hmm. on on sci-fi uh films of the 80s 70s and 80s um this is going off on a bit of a tangent but if you've never seen dark star it's almost the plot of alien 
Yeah. But a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they find an there's an alien on the ship, and he he gets kind of gets lost, and Dan O'Bannon's character has to go find him, and yeah. So that's where the idea for Alien came from. Yeah, it's awesome, awesome. So, but we're not talking about Dark Star. We could save that one for another another rainy day. But uh, today we're here to talk about was it 1986 when this movie uh, came out? Yes, 86. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China with Kurt Russell, Kim Cattrall, Dennis Dunn, Victor Wong, James Hong, James Hong, a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, classic. Um, before we start talking about that movie, when was the first time you came across this movie that you remember? Probably eighty-seven or eighty-eight. Oh, so you came to it pretty early. Yeah, we had a we had a VHS copy off of like TV, or maybe it was from an actual rental copy yeah we had yeah we had a vhs dub of it yeah and if you haven't heard the 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 episode that we did on the vhs go back and listen to that one and we'll that tells you all about it um how we were big tapers um off of tv and we we grew up on that Uh, i i didn't come to this movie until much later i I don't think that i saw this movie until 90 probably i don't even remember if we saw it on tv or if we rented it um, but I definitely caught it, and it was around Thanksgiving time. That's all I remember. And so ever since then, this is almost like a staple of mine to watch around Thanksgiving time for no reason, because there's <laughs> nothing in the plot that has anything to do with Thanksgiving right. other than the fact that I just remember watching it on television. And like I said, I don't remember if we rented it or if um, it was just on TV and we happened to catch it. But yeah, I didn't come across it till probably high school, so a, few, a lot of years after it had already been out. But uh, how I missed it in the days, I have no idea. But yeah, um, but yeah. Well, what, what do you, what kind of notes you got on this one? Well, we can start with the screenplay. Um, the first draft of the screenplay was written by first-time screenwriters Gary Goldman and David Weinstein. Uh-huh. And you had mentioned this. We were talking earlier at some point it was originally a western yes set in the 1880s and jack burton was a cowboy who rides in the town uh goldman and weinstein envisioned it as a weird western combining chinese fantasy elements in an old west setting which sounds like it would have been a cool idea to me yeah they uh submitted it to taft entertainment pictures Producers Paul Monash and Keith Barish in 1982. So it's been in development for a while. They uh, the producers bought their script, uh, had them do a couple rewrites. Um, Goldman rejected a request by 20th Century Fox for a rewrite that asked for major alterations. They wanted to update it to a contemporary setting, and they said no. And then the studio. Uh, took them off of the project (laughs) um i'm sure that happens a lot in hollywood (laughs) we'll buy your script and your idea but then we're gonna you know they uh they brought in another screenwriter wd richter Uh who was a veteran script doc doctor and he directed the adventures of buckaroo bonsai yes which had come out a few years prior i believe yes he did an extensive rewrite of the script uh pretty much took every all the Wild West stuff out. 
the uh, one of the original screenwriters, Goldman, contacted Richter and said that uh, suggested that he not work on the project because mm. it was kind of screwing him over. And uh, Richter said, "No, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, it's either going to be me or someone else that isn't you." <laughs> <laughs> See so, you at the party, Richter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, this new guy, uh, Richter. Uh, did bring everything up into the uh, contemporary setting, which is pretty much where it takes place. He threw out almost everything in the original script except for Lopan's story, mm-hmm. which is uh, James Hong's character. Um, so Richter took the idea. Uh, I didn't really see the parallels here, but he took the idea of Rosemary's Baby as uh-huh. his template. Huh. Um, using the quote the foreground story in a familiar context rather than San Francisco at the turn of the century which distances the audience immediately and just have one simple remove the world underground you have a much better chance of making direct contact with the audience unquote (laughs) I'm not familiar enough with Rosemary's Baby to really see the parallels there I don't see the parallels that either Um, Um, I mean it's about a woman that has Satan's baby. Satan's baby. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the mysticism, but uh, yeah. I guess if it, because it's taking place in like a suburban. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know, whatever. Huh. So he wrote his draft in uh, 10 weeks. Now, Fox Studios wanted to deny Goldman and Weinstein writing credit, uh-huh. which were the original writers, and they eliminated their names from press releases. They wanted only Richter to have credit. And in, in uh, March of 86, the Writers Guild of America stepped in and had uh, Goldman and Weinstein gave them a written by credit. Um, so they kind of got their name on the film and Richter got an adaptation by credit. Okay. So I guess they got that all sorted out. Uh, John Carpenter, however, was disappointed that Richter did not get proper screenwriting credit because I guess he did write most of the movie that we ended up with. John Carpenter uh, made his own additions to Richter's rewrites, including strengthening Gracie Law's role and linking her to Chinatown and removed a few action sequences due to budgetary restrictions. And he eliminated some material deemed offensive to Chinese Americans. Mm Mm-hmm is a topic we'll come back to in a few minutes yeah so they had the script ready to go and uh to compete with a rival production the golden child starring eddie murphy which is another movie we should do i forgot about that yeah. movie it's kind of underrated yeah not great but right I, I just remember him like oh, i got the nine yeah. he's like scratching on the... uh so if you're not familiar that's another kind of fantasy yeah chinese mysticism action movie yeah uh starring eddie murphy um so john carpenter wanted to kind of compete with that so he wanted a big star of his own and he was kind of looking at clint eastwood and jack nicholson but uh, both they were both busy uh the studio had an eye on kurt russell who they felt was an up-and-coming star adult wise yeah um he initially was not interested because he felt there were a number of different ways to approach the character 
but he didn't know if there was a way that would be interesting enough for the movie. And after talking to the carpenter and reading the script a few more times, uh, he ended up liking the idea of playing a hero who has so many faults. <laughs> to say the very least. Yeah. He did feel that the movie would be hard to market because it was bizarre and only had a handful of non-Asian actors. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, you have to remember at the time, the early to mid-80s, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter had seen Dennis Dunn in Year of the Dragon and liked his work in that film. He met the actor twice before casting him in the role of Wang Chi, only uh-huh. a few days before principal photography. I had also heard an interview with, with Carpenter um, that he originally wanted Jackie Chan to, to play that role, that he had seen a lot of Jackie Chan films and had presented that idea first. Um, and then the studios had gone back and looked at um, the brawl at Battle Creek and the Protector, uh, the protector and felt that his English... Um, wasn't up to par and that's the reason why they went with with dennis dunn which to me like it would have been a totally those movies kind of bombed too so they didn't really see him as a as a star star yeah um but gosh like how amazing would it i mean think about that like in his prime right you know a jackie chan i mean to me like that's i mean not to take away what dennis dunn has done because he's such a great character and he certainly deserves all the credit in the world but like just what a different film that would have been (laughs) i mean just like with all the chinese mysticism plus the jackie chan stunts and the choreography because you know he would have brought in his own team and i I would i would kill to see that movie you know back in the day it's awesome to think about Uh, the martial arts sequences were not hard for dennis dunn who had dabbled in training as a kid and done chinese opera as an adult he was drawn to the portrayal of Asian characters in the movie, and he says, quote, I'm seeing Chinese actors getting to do stuff that American movies usually don't let them do. I've never seen this type of role for an Asian in an American film, unquote. Uh, I would probably agree with that, not since, like, Enter the Dragon, maybe, because mm-hmm. um, they're always kind of cast as, like, bad guys at that point. Um, like, my... As, the or very stereotypical or very, ninjas. Yeah. And yeah, I was trying to think. I mean, they're always like from Chong Li to, uh, I'm trying to think of what, uh, well, Year of the Dragon. Uh, was it Kenjite? Was that uh, the Charles Bronson movie? Um, well, I guess maybe Revenge of the Ninja, the canon film. I guess he was a good guy. I don't know. But yeah, I, I can see his wanting to jump on this role. The studio pressured Carpenter to cast a rock star in the girl, the role of Gracie Law, who was Jack Burton's love interest, but John Carpenter wanted Kim Cattrall. Oh. The studio was not keen on the idea because at the time, Cattrall was primarily known for raunchy comedies like Porky's and Police Academy. <laughs> Those are good movies. I don't see great, what the problem is. It wasn't <laughs> Police Academy? Come on. Yeah. I, like, I enjoy the old boner <laughs> comedy every once in a while. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who among us doesn't? She was drawn to the film because of the way her character was portrayed. Quote, I'm not screaming for help the whole time. I think the humor comes out of the situations in my relationship with Jack Burton. I'm the brains and he's the brawn, unquote. <laughs> so uh, Kurt Russell, who plays Jack Burton, was a child actor, was actually Disney's top star of the 1970s. He sure was. After signing a 10-year contract. Uh, so he was back in the days when 
Disney didn't screw up their child actors. <laughs> he seemed to turn out all right. Yeah. Uh, he rose to greater fame as an adult throughout the 80s and 90s in movies such as The Thing, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., Used Cars, Overboard, Tango and Cash, Stargate, Executive Decision, many others. Oh, and, quick. Uh, when you said used cars, mm-hmm. the suit that he wears into the brothel is the same suit that he wore <laughs> in used cars. So there's your fun fact for the day, which is weird. Um, I, I learned that fact listening to the audio commentary on one of the DVDs years back. Uh, he continues to star in movies to this day, including Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and Netflix's Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2. Which are great movies, too, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah. Play Santa Claus, by the yeah. way. Dennis Dunn plays Wang Chi. Big Trouble was his second film ever. He went on to star in several films throughout the late 80s and 90s, some random TV shows throughout the 2000s. His last film or television role that I could find was in 2012. He's also done a lot of theater in the past. Mm -hmm. Kim Cattrall, playing Gracie Law, started acting in the mid-70s. She did a lot of TV, appeared in Porky's and Police Academy, after Big Trouble, she went in, went on to star in a Mannequin, Star Trek VI. But her biggest claim to fame, aside from Big Trouble, is probably the Sex and the City franchise, which ran for six seasons and two movies. David Lopan was played by James Hong. Started acting in 1950. Has over 650 film and TV credits. Yeah. So if you're a human and you watch movies or TV, you've seen him in something. <laughs> we need to add him to the pump action pantheon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was drafted during the Korean War, but avoided deployment by being put in charge of entertaining troops stateside. And as of this podcast, he is still acting at the age of 93. It's amazing. Yeah. Victor Wong played Egg Shen. He started acting in the 60s. He became a journalist and a stage actor. A bout of Bell's palsy gave him his distinctive look. He starred in the Three Ninjas franchise, the Tremors franchise. Uh, he retired from acting in 1988, uh, 1998 after a stroke, and he died in 2001. Ah. Some of the other casting, uh, Kate Burton as the character Margot, Donald Lee as Eddie Lee, Carter Wong as Thunder. Yeah. Peter Kwong is a rain. James Pax is lightning. Uh, I believe James Pax was in the Mortal Kombat games. Oh, he like, was? The movie or something. Ah, two internet movie data. I'm sure all these guys were in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miao Yin played by Susie Pai. So there's, and there, there's a ton of other actors in this pretty ensemble film. So they had casting, the script, they had the casting done. Um, Kurt Russell started lifting weights and running two months before production to begin to prepare for the physical demands of principal photography. Carpenter and the cast and crew did a week's rehearsals that mainly involved choreographing the martial arts scenes. 20th Century Fox was afraid that the production would create major overruns and hired Carpenter to direct because he could work fast, and he was only given 10 weeks of pre-production. Problems began to arise when Carpenter learned that the next Eddie Murphy vehicle, The Golden Child, featured a similar theme and was going to be released around the same time, which we already talked about briefly. Yeah. Uh, and coincidentally, Paramount Pictures 
was asked or asked John Carpenter to direct the Golden Child at one point mm-hmm. to to beat the rival production to theaters. Big Trouble went into production on October 1985, so it can open in July of '86, five months before the Golden Child was released at Christmas. Yeah, that's crazy because so many of these actors went on to star. I'm looking at the the Golden Child now. Victor Wong was in the Golden <laughs> Child. Uh, James Hong was in the Golden <laughs> Child. Uh, who else? Peter Kwong, uh, that you know, played. Uh, he, he was in it. I'm trying to think of anybody else. I guess that's it. James Pax. He was Come not on. actually. I'm shocked, but yeah, a lot of the actors just segued from Big Trouble right into. Um, uh, the Golden Child, which now really makes me want to go watch The Golden Child. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just talking about it right now. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Although the early exterior establishing scenes were filmed on location in Chinatown, most of the film was shot on sets built in the Fox lot in Los Angeles. Production designer John Lloyd designed the elaborate underground sets and recreated Chinatown with three-story buildings, roads, streetlights, sewers, and so on. This was necessary for the staging of complicated special effects and kung fu fight sequences that would have been very hard to do on location. This forced the filmmaker to shoot the film in 15 weeks with a $25 million budget. That's crazy. For the film's many fight scenes, Carpenter worked with martial arts choreographer James Liu, who planned out every move in advance. Using They used such tricks as trampolines, wires, reverse movements, and upside-down sets. Mm-hmm. So Carpenter wanted to do the opposite of traditional scenarios in action films with a Caucasian protagonist helped by a minority sidekick. In Big Trouble, Jack Burton is constantly portrayed as rather bumbling. <laughs> yeah. On several rewatches of this film, like I I I mean I knew it, but like it's never been more blatantly obvious. Like when you're gonna sit down and like try to analyze it and really watch it for what it is. He doesn't do one heroic thing in this movie at all. He doesn't even, like, spoilers, kiss the girl at the end. He doesn't do anything heroic at all. He doesn't do one fight, like, that doesn't get his he ass kicked. He throws a knife at, yeah. at uh, Lopan at the very end. Yeah. Uh, in one fight sequence, he knocks himself unconscious before the fight begins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wang Chi, on the other hand, is constantly portrayed as highly skilled and competent. On a commentary track for the DVD release, Carpenter said the film is really about a sidekick, Burton, who thinks he is the leading man. According to Carpenter, the studio didn't get it and made him write something that would explain the character of Jack Burton. Carpenter came up with the prologue scene between Egg Shen and the lawyer. Yeah, I, I knew that too, just like going into it, like after they test screened it, the audience was kind of like, what <laughs> did they so they had to go back and, and reshoot that scene where egg shen's like oh jack burton that man is a hero <laughs> don't say any bad thing about jack burton and then it cuts you know right to him like driving the pork chop express and he's just like talking like john wayne <laughs> which is another thing like you know just having that cocky john wayne style of speaking um you know and then, then you have him just like being a bumbling idiot for most of the movie it's just awesome um boss film studios was the company in charge of the film's visual effects and according to john carpenter he wasn't particularly satisfied with that because he felt they were taking on more project projects than they could handle and some special effects for the film had to be cut down but uh, richard edland who was 
in charge of Boss Film Studios kind of disagreed with this and said that they had no difficulties working with the movie and it was one of his uh, favorite films to work on at that time. The special effects budget was just under $2 million and Richard Edlund said that that was barely enough money. So music is a pretty interesting part of this movie. Uh, John Carpenter uh, wrote all of it, or at least most of it. Mm -hmm. uh, he was nominated for a Saturn Award for the best music, and he uh, wanted to avoid traditional generic Asian music and went with his trademark synthesizer <laughs> score mixed with rock and roll music, which works. Yeah. So the movie opened on July 2nd, 1986 in 1,053 theaters. It grossed $2.7 million. Um, these are in $86. I forgot to get the inflation-adjusted numbers. Yeah. But it went on to gross $11.1 .1 million in North America, well below its estimated budget of 19 to $25 million. So it technically bombed <laughs> at, the, at the time. Yeah. The film was released in the midst of the hype for James Cameron's blockbuster Aliens, which was released 16 days later. Uh. On the DVD commentary for Big Trouble, Carpenter and Russell discussed this among possible reasons for the film. The film's disappointing box office gross. Yeah, got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, so it did receive mixed, some mixed and negative critical reviews at the time. Um, after the commercial and critical failure of the film, Carpenter became very disillusioned with Hollywood and became an independent filmmaker. He said in an interview, quote, The experience of Big Trouble was the reason I stopped making movies for the Hollywood studios. I won't, I won't work for them again. I think Big Trouble is a wonderful film and I'm very proud of it. But the reception it received and the reasons for that reception were too much for me to deal with. I'm too old for that sort of bullshit. <laughs> Unquote. Uh, and as we now know, it has enjoyed a resurgence on television and home video and received a good deal of retroactive positive press, positive press. Empire Magazine voted Big Trouble in Little China the 430th greatest film in their 500 greatest movies of all time list. 430. Surely it's got to be a little higher than yeah. 430. Well, <laughs> yeah. Biased. Just kidding. Uh, on its release, the Chinese-American community was mixed on the film. Some said it perpetuated stereotypes in the white savior trope. Daniel Kwan, the marketing director for the film, met with members of the Chinese community while the movie was being filmed, but he claims they wouldn't tell him specifically what they found offensive about the script or what they wanted changed. So they were kind of protesting, um, I believe, before they even started filming. Huh. Or at least while they were filming, so kind of sounds like they didn't they didn't really know what it was like about. Kind of grasp on like yeah. What, yeah. So as John Carpenter said, Jack Burton is the sidekick, and Wang Chi and Egg Shen are the real heroes of the film. Peter Kwong, who plays Rain, one of the three storms, said that John Carpenter was extremely inclusive and wanted to make sure the film wasn't offensive. He had meetings with the Asian cast and crew and asked for input. Dennis Dunn, playing Wang Chi, said it was wonderful that so many Asian Americans were not only cast as major characters, but also part of the behind-the-scenes production, and Big Trouble showed Chinese Americans in a whole different light. 
Big Trouble in Little China was released on a two-disc special edition DVD on May 22, 2001. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave the DVD a B-plus rating and wrote, The highlight of this two-disc set, which also features deleted scenes and extended ending, trailers, and a featurette, is the pitch-perfect Russell and Carpenter commentary, which delves into Fox's marketing mishaps, Chinese history, and how Russell's son did in his hockey game. <laughs> it's a pretty good commentary. <laughs> it is a good one. Yeah. Blu-ray came out in 2009. Um, and 2019, uh, Scream Factory rede- released a collector's edition Blu-ray, which includes a whole lot more bonus features. Yeah, I think that's the one I have. It's got the slip case and all that stuff. In uh, June 2015... Uh, it was reported that Dwayne Johnson was developing a remake to star as Jack Burton and produce with his Seven Bucks Productions film studio. Oh, I have mixed emotions on that. <laughs> uh, Ashley Miller and Zach Stentz were hired screenwriters. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, uh, Dwayne Johnson expressed interest in having Carpenter involved in the film. John Carpenter responded, saying, It's very early in the process. I haven't spoken to Dwayne Johnson about any of this. I'm ambivalent <laughs> about a remake. By August of 2018, Seven Bucks Productions president Hiram Garcia clarified the film will be a sequel and a continuation of the previous film. The creative minds behind the new film acknowledged that they have no intention of replacing Kurt Russell by recasting Johnson as Jack Burton, but will make a follow-up movie to the original. Uh, The latest I could find was of late 2021, and it's still kind of in development so no <laughs> uh, real updates yeah I was gonna, it sounds a lot like the first one a video game was released in 1986 by Electric Dream Software for the ZX Spectrum Commodore 64 and Amstrad CPC critical reception was mixed A comic, uh, several comic book series were released in the mid to late 2010s in February 2015 Funko released a line of reaction and pop vinyl figures <laughs> In 2018, a board game was released by Boom Studios. That's awesome. And is a highly thematic cooperative miniatures board game for one to four players. Oh, we should we should get that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fun. In August 2016, Upper Deck released the legendary Big Trouble in Little China deck building card game. Uh, so yeah, um, since its release, Big Trouble in Little China has influenced and or been referred to in multiple comic books, video games, TV shows, songs, and movies. The character Raiden from Mortal Kombat was supposedly inspired by the Three Storms, and Shang Tsung was inspired by Lo Pan. In the 90s, Iron Man supervillain the Mandarin was modeled after Lo Pan. Mm. Uh, I guess there were a few different iterations of the Mandarin, but his run in the 90s was specifically influenced. Yeah. And the 2012 reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles features an episode heavily inspired by Big Trouble in Little China and even cast James Hong as the primary villain. Yes. New Zealand director Taika Waititi cited the film as an influence for Thor Ragnarok, which came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. So even though it was a bomb on release, it has become a huge cult film and continues to inspire... Uh, everything, everything pop culture up, yeah. to, up to this day. Wow, I had no idea there was a video game made for that, but yeah. why would there not be? Yeah, <laughs> especially like I mean, I'm shocked that like Nintendo didn't put anything out because 
They made know, all kinds of they terrible. They made all kinds of terrible, like <laughs> Rambo, and they did Jaws, Jaws and <laughs> Top Gun. And I mean, any movie in the 80s usually has a video game you know, tie-in with yeah. it. We're not even going to talk about the Atari E.T. debacle, but yeah, uh, shockingly, that's crazy. I'm shocked that they don't have a, a big trouble in little cheese. That would just, it lends itself so well to video games. <laughs> right. So um, this one is one of those movies that's like, if people ask that's never seen it, I can't even begin to describe like what this movie is. Right. It's one of those movies like you just have to go see. Um, you know, I, I did listen to that um, audio commentary, but it's been several years back. And um, Carpenter talks about being really um, influenced by the Chinese mysticism films that they were doing over in Hong Kong at the time, um, specifically The Bride with White Hair and the Chinese ghost story, the trilogy of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wanted to bring that to an American audience. Um, and of course, you know, you have to have a character that the American audiences can relate to, which is the Jack Burton character, because he doesn't know what's going on either. And so the, the characters have to explain it to him, thus explaining it to the audience as well, which is, you know, it's an old kind of trope, but it's one that people forget about i guess in in this kind of day and age they have to have that character that they all can that leads them through the story but i love the fact that um kurt russell believes or jack burton thinks that he's in charge the entire time right and even going to the point uh going so far as like my favorite line is like when they're he's on the phone with like the insurance company like trying to figure out like what happened to his truck or whatever and they're all having the discussion about um you know, low pan and, and the whole backstory there. And um, he goes, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm starting to feel like an outsider here. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you, you are an outsider. I mean, just so many like throwaway lines like that, that make me laugh so hard. That's awesome. I guess we didn't even talk about what the movie is about. Yeah. I assume uh, that everyone's seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's hard to explain. So uh, Jack Burton is a truck driver and, he hauls pigs around, and he's making a delivery to San Francisco Chinatown, where uh, he has, I guess, his best friend uh, Wang Chi owns a restaurant, Chinese restaurant. So he rolls into town, and Wang Chi is getting married, and his fiance is flying in from uh, China or Hong Kong. Yeah, Hong Kong, I believe. But don't quote me on that. So they go to the airport to pick her up, and uh, some gang members get in the way and they kidnap her and they kidnap another and it's uh, the, immigrant and it's the first time that jack burton um gets his butt kicked yeah. in this film so basically they the story is these two uh girls get kidnapped by the asian gangs in san francisco chinatown and they have to go rescue them and along the way gracie law who's the lawyer gets kidnapped at one point so they have to break into the uh the import export warehouse where all this is going on it's like this big underground facility of just weird stuff going on <laughs> like it's, it, it's only if you're if you're into dungeons and dragons it's a it's a really good dungeons and dragons movie it really is i didn't even think about it like that but yeah um but they kidnap um i can't remember what her name is right off of my head but because she has green eyes so like the backstory for lopan was he had to marry um, um, a Chinese Mal- girl, Mal- Yen. Mal- Yen. Yeah. He had to marry a, a Chinese girl 
with green eyes or a girl with green eyes or something like that, which is why the other girl also yeah. great as not Gracie law. Is it Gracie law? Uh, also? Yeah. She has green. Eyes. Yeah. She has green eyes too. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, but all the craziness happens. And again, like Carpenter said, you know, like he wanted to take this film and do the exact opposite of what you would expect in an action film, which is why when they pull up, you know, in the, um, pork chop express and the alleyway, you know, um, before they enter the warehouse, uh, the two Chinese gangs, like there's like a funeral going on mm-hmm. and he's like the yellow shirts and then like the red shirts or whatever. And you think they're going to like have this all out Hong Kong battle, but then they just break out like Uzis and start <laughs> shooting, shooting each other. It's just like, it's not at all like what you think is going to happen. I just, there's so many little things like that that just like, it's so brilliant and it works when it really shouldn't work. Cause it's just, it's the audience's expectations versus what happens in the film is, is great, but um, but talk a little bit about maybe like Lopan and like a little bit about his character. Yeah, Lopan is like two thousand years old or something, and uh, he's a really old guy in a wheelchair in his physical form, but he can like turn into a spirit form when he's much younger and like move around town and stuff. And he has to get married to. Uh, a girl with green eyes so that he can stay in his younger spirit self in physical form. So yeah. Otherwise he's just stuck as like this decrepit old man. that's like 2000 years old. I love that scene too, where he's like watching like the security cameras and he's like, do you see that right there? This pisses me off. Like when you think about it, it's kind of a dumb story because like they even, uh, Jack Burton even says you couldn't find one girl in 2000 years (laughs) and he's like yeah of course I can but like they kind of just throw that away and move on yeah he says something like but not like Mal Yen yeah like Like it just seems like something so easy that he could have done yeah at any time yeah he's like she's got the eyes that are creamy Jane (laughs) (laughs) he seems like he's kind of been lazy on the whole yeah looking for a girl with green eyes thing (laughs) so what is, what is your what's your favorite scene? Oh my God, there's so many. I I, I can't even. Um, obviously, the introduction to the three brothers, um, because you're just like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Um, and then Carter Wong, such got it, such an impressive physique. Like the dude is built like a just he's a solid brick house. And uh, so the introduction to the brothers, um, another thing that just is like comes out of left field is the big eyeball, mm-hmm. like the monster, like the seer or, like, yeah, or whatever. Beholder. The beholder. Yeah. I think that's, that's right out of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> like, I, like literally, I think that's, they just copied that monster exactly. Yeah. And so then it's, you think it's going to be like this um, crazy, like ferocious monster. And then they like poke it in the eye and it goes, ah, yeah. <laughs> like runs away. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh man, like I don't know. There's just so much. The fight sequences are unbelievable. Yeah. Like all of them are. Just the chore- the choreography, um, the humor in this film is bar none. Like fantastic. All the throwaway, like like I said, like the throwaway lines that they just. I don't know whether they came up with them if it was in the script, but like I don't know. There's just so much I love about this film. What are your some of your favorites? Yeah, I think my favorite scenes are at the beginning when uh, when he first shows up. And they're sitting there gambling all night. That's actually when the credits are still rolling. Uh, they're gambling all night, and then the next morning he does the 
Nothing or double. This knife cuts <laughs> this bottle in half. Yeah. Nothing or double, Jack. Nothing or double. Uh, that I like that scene, and I like you know the big alley fight scene is cool. The whole thing, like yeah, shooting up, and then the three storms show up. Yeah, and you know the two gangs are running at each other, and just all the weird random fight vignettes that are going on there. Yeah. Yeah, all the uh, most of the fighting is, you know, they, those guys were professional martial artists for the most part, uh, except for maybe Dennis Dunn. I don't know if, I mean, he had had some training, but I don't yeah. know if he was considered a professional martial artist. But those three storms were all professional martial artists, and a lot of the other guys. So really good fight scenes. Yeah, yeah. Especially for an American movie at the time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of something else. Um, the end. Well, I think I already kind of spoiled that, but like, um, it is sort of like you can still, even though they took a lot of the Western elements out of it, they still left some in there, and I think that's one of them where he you know rides out in the sunset, you know, in the short pork chop express. Mm-hmm. He's even got his saddle. Bags. He's even got his saddle. Yeah, I was, he's even got like his saddle bags, um, and they did leave it open ended for yeah. a uh, a sequel. With the big beast, you know, crawling up on the... I think, uh, I haven't read this, but I believe the comic books they did a few years ago are a direct sequel. Oh, okay. They kind of pick up right when that leaves off. Yeah, yeah. But, um, like I said, even, like, doing everything the opposite of what you would expect, where she's like, why aren't you going to kiss her? And he goes, no. (laughs) just That's all he says. And he just walks out. And that's how it ends. And he's like, oh, you know, like Jack Burton's like back on, you know, back on the road. <laughs> uh, just, it's amazing. Um, I just, again, I love this movie. I, I, it's never, it's one of those movies that I think I could watch and never get tired of watching it because you find mm-hmm. new and pick out new little things that like, oh, I forgot about that. Right. Or oh, even just talking to you, they're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so good. I have a uh, official pump action podcast, Big Trouble in Little China workout. Oh, well, I, I noticed that you did the blood sport workout um, when I when I came in earlier. You were sitting on your between your coffee table and your couch, <laughs> spread eagle. <laughs> uh, yeah, in my so, little red underwear. Yeah, you know, I was like, "Ow, oh, that hurts me just looking at it." You might want to have kids one of these days. So, uh, yeah, so let, let's hear the, uh, the the big trouble in Little China. All right, this one's pretty straightforward because, you know, we want you to have something you can do at home with minimal yeah. equipment. Put the movie on and do this workout. So you want to do 50 push-ups yes. in, in as many sets as it takes. If you have somewhere to do pull-ups, 25 pull-ups, many sets as it takes. And uh, there's a lot of jumping around in this movie. <laughs> So you want to do a hundred jump squats? Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. That'll really get your quads burning. And then uh, go over to your heavy bag. It's solid. Five rounds of two minutes each on the heavy bag, including various punches and kicks. <laughs> yeah, toughen up those shins. That's right. Um, some optional exercises: knife throwing. Yes. Summoning lightning. <laughs> Wheelchair sprints. Oh yeah. Staying up all night, drinking Chinese beer and gambling. And uh, for your cool down, you're going to do a Chinese standoff. Oh. So just stand real still and stare at your gym partner menacingly. 
Yeah, that's that. That'll get it. That's and then awesome. you'll be ready to uh, take on the three storms. Yeah, and Lopan <laughs> and his minions. <laughs> the eyeball, the right. eye of the beholder, and the uh, the beast, which we didn't even really talk about the mm. the monster beasts that are in this. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, the the wedding scene at the end. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that? It's just a weird setting. It's like there's like neon lights and it just doesn't make any sense, but it's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. So any other Carpenter films? I mean, I know we kind of hit on most of them, but I, I forgot to throw out They Live. So I'm sure yeah. somebody out there that was listening to me list off all of Carpenter's hits <laughs> is screaming at me like, you forgot They Live, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to go through those. and Yeah. I mean, you could do it, pick pick any, just throw, throw a dart at his filmography and hit hit a winner um, for me anyway. Um, other than like what you said, uh, uh, the ghost one, I forgot. I didn't forget ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars, yeah. Uh, I I completely forgot that he even directed that movie. So, anyway. but yeah, God bless John Carpenter, God for making this movie. Kurt Russell, uh, Dennis Dunn. I mean, I. I love this movie. <laughs> I can't, I don't know what else to say other than go watch it. Do the workout, eat your vitamins, play some Fantan, boys. Just remember though, you play your cards right, you live to talk about it. <laughs> All right, I think that, that well, on that, we'll, we'll end it right there. So uh, I'm uh, TIE Fighter. This is T-Bone. And you've been listening to Pump <laughs> Action. <laughs> Podcast. So, see. Oh, wait, what do you want to talk about? What we're doing next? I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do next. It's a surprise. So okay. stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let it that out. A fire inside you is dying to burn.